All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game, personally and professionally. Today, we're chatting with Jason Mark Campbell. He is a fellow Canadian who you might have seen running various programs and events for Mind Valley or hosting the popular podcast, Superhumans at Work, which is now called Selling with Love. Also, the title of his new book, which I'm excited to dive into. He has a passion for sales like no other and in a way that comes from the heart and is treated like the human interaction it is which is an exchange of energy so given we're all selling whether we know it or not i'm excited to dive into the mental fitness behind selling with love welcome to the show brother mark it's a pleasure to be here and i think you've done one of the most elegant introductions of the topic because yeah you you hit the nail on the head that's what it's all about Oh, well, thank you. I, I mean, I couldn't wait because like I said, I mean, we're, we're all selling and I don't know where the hell it all started where sales got such a bad rap. I'm sure you've got some research or some thoughts on that, but I, I would love, love to dive into that because we're all, we're always selling. We're always exchanging that energy and there is a way to do it. So I think you mentioned this somewhere in your, in uh, either in the, in the book or uh, in a blurb I, I read, but we're not all sleazy car salesmen. Like somehow that that has become the default to sales. So I definitely want to get into that, but I have to start the show the same way we do for every guest. And first, before we get into any of, any of the work, just who are you as a human? Like what defines you today as you as you sit here in front of the in front of the mic? Oh, Mark, you say that and I'm reminded to one of the first times I did coaching. And I think that was one of the critical questions that coach <laughs> asked you is just like, so who are you? And I'd be like, well, I'm, I'm Jason. I'm, I, you know, at the time I was working at this company called Mind Valley. I was like, I'm, I'm this employee at Mind Valley, and, you know, I'm a salesperson. And, and then my, my coach, which I think actually in hindsight was more like a therapist, right? Then she's yeah. like, okay, well remove those labels. And now who are you? And I was like, um, all right, I'm the son of, you know, a mom and a dad in Canada from a small <laughs> village in Canada. Okay, well, remove those elements. Then I was like, well, I don't know what I am. <laughs> um, but but when you ask the question now, you know, what I would definitely default to when I get asked this question, maybe on a deeper level than the surface, is I think about the values, right? Like, yeah. what are the values that kind of support my identity, you could say? Um and I'm always looked at, you know, impact, uh, you know, trying to make a difference, uh, whether that's small or big, I don't make a judgment on wanting to make like the biggest impact in the world. Sometimes a small impact done very well is the key to a great life. Uh, trying to live up to integrity. This mm. one, you know, I know it's a key and a cliche, but God, I can think of the times that I've been the most down in my life, the most mentally unfit. And it's always when I'm not acting in integrity. So when I put it yeah. front and center, as a value, then I like to live up to my value. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. um, and then, you know, the, the third one, I, I'm also going to state a value. It's a very interesting one, which is belonging. Um, and, and I just think of the times that, you know, I've always been someone that has been wanting to find their own place to make sure they belong. But in a way that I express that is I'm always reaching out to people to make sure they feel like they belong. And, you know, this almost, you know, ties to why, I think I do what I do is like, I acknowledge so many people that are trying to make a difference yet. They feel like they don't have a place to belong in a world that is only supposed to function with these toxic, manipulative, dirty sales techniques. And I'm here to say that, Hey, that's not the way it has to be. There is a place. Matter of fact, we need you to stand yeah. in your power and learn to sell. And, uh, yeah, so I'm just a guy who lives, tries to live the best he can by those values and advocate them as much as he can do. Well, thank you for sharing. I mean, and the reason I do ask the question is to avoid uh, job titles and, and kind of the regular labels um, because I'm always amazed. And even in just the answer you provide and just in you know, a few minutes, I can just feel, oh yeah, that's, that's, that's Jason. Like, I'm not surprised he just wrote this book. I'm not surprised about uh, what you do on the podcast and so forth. So, and it's always fun to see that the conversation evolve because we usually come without, 
you know, intentionally doing this come full circle and with how you answered the first question. So, so thanks for entertaining that. I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't bring you to a uh, empty and sad spot from, it sounds like that first time you, you answered the question. Um, so now though, I would, I'd love to just back it up and see like, what's the deal with you in sales? Like when did something flip for you? And cause it, it, it just, I don't really know someone that gets so passionate with selling, but from such a different perspective. Because even when we first met, I think this was probably three or four years ago, you were already talking about, you know, the book wasn't written, but you like selling with love, that language was already in your ecosystem. So how did that all come about? Yeah. Well, you know, I've noticed that most people have that adversity towards sales like you've mentioned most people are like struggling with it they 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 don't like it they stay away from it yet i was always drawn towards it and i don't know i just i like this 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 feeling this movement of energy that happens when a sale is made like whatever you're vibrating at whatever energy you're at it gets to be contagious and so i yeah. have this natural curiosity i have this natural enthusiasm and i could see the effect it had on people Whenever I would bring a product that, you know, they would be looking for and then I just bring them and kind of bridge the gap and I would see they would take a powerful action that would result to a big change and I could see how happy they would be. And, you know, a more gentle, fun story that I like to go back to because like you mentioned, most people think, you know, salesperson, used car sales, like, and, and you either have your experience or someone close to you having an experience with a negative salesperson that kind of gives you that imprint of negativity around sales, right? Yeah. Let, well, in let, the modern version, I feel like is like the getting nailed with this massive like funnel of emails and oh, like yeah. that sales cycle is just nonstop. Like, nonstop. Really? You, you get him and you're like, oh, I don't want to be like that. I'm going to have a gentle one for you, Mark. So okay. my, my first memory of sales, like concrete sales was when I was like 14 or 15, 15 or 16, I was in high school. And I don't know if they made you do that out in Toronto, but they, they made us do these charity drives to sell chocolate. These like yeah. chocolate covered almonds yes, from a brand yes. that was called the world's finest chocolate. Okay. Yes. <laughs> So can't we come in those brown, brown box or a white and black box or something, right? White, I think that's yeah. right in a brown box and like that recycled cardboard looking yeah. feel, you know, and it, it was funny because they asked us to go door to door and start selling these chocolates. So and I end up doing this and I'm, you know, since we're Canadian, I can use the term. I'd go to knock at doors and say, Hey, do you want some chocolates for a toonie? Which is a $2, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, people would be ecstatic. People would be like, Oh, cause we weren't as health conscious back then, I guess. It was just like chocolate. Yeah. Perfect. So people would be excited that I came to knock and they were neighborly. They were friendly and I'm from a small town. So it was really fun because I would knock, I would say, do you want chocolates for a toonie? They'd give me a toonie. I'd give them some chocolates and they were happy. I'm happy. I'm like, this is beautiful. But here's, here's the real kicker is by like the fifth or sixth door that I go knock at the lady that opens the door just says, Oh, one minute. I'm just going to ask if my daughter wants any. And then she calls down her daughter. Now I went to French school and then this was a girl that was going to English school that I didn't know was my neighbor, didn't know she existed. And she's like beautiful and my age. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so we end up exchanging numbers. She happens to be one of my first girlfriends in high school. And so, yeah, it's not an accident that selling and love kind of found its way there. Yeah. It was kind of a first. So it started with a really positive experience. And then I've noticed the advantages it provided me in life, you know, like yeah. getting jobs, finding, you know, being a high performer within the workplace by selling my ideas to go into take on a sales road and see how happy it was for the founders that, hey, I can drive revenue. And then in my own business, being able to raise funds in real estate, to be able to uh, even sell property back when I was in my early 20s and stuff. And I was like, whoa, like, I think I have something here. And it's, mm -hmm. it's powerful. And I, I think you, you kind of get stunned by how powerful it is that you can be when you have sales. But then you got to put on that Spider-Man hat and say like, okay, what responsibility comes with that? And that's, yeah. that's all of it. Yeah. Amazing. So then you take, you, you, you've come to that realization, you continue down your journey, you eventually end up in, um, Bali, right? Is that where you are right now? That's right. Yeah. 
um, and then working with with Mind Valley, and the timeline could be a bit, a bit off, but all of that was kind of happening around the same time. Um, which I mean, there's a ton of sales with with Mind Valley, but you're selling, um, in my opinion, uh, the best kind of, of products to sell because it literally helps people, uh, and people can feel it right away. Not not to say that others other products don't, but like. When did it evolve into the point where it's like, I need to write a book about this, or I need to, I need to have a podcast about this. Cause that's a big, that's a big jumping off point from the chocolate covered almonds to <laughs> the book. <laughs> it's a small segue. Yeah. Um, yeah. I ended up working for Mind Valley for about seven years and, you know, I did a lot of different projects while I was there. I helped launch Vision's first book, uh, which is the founder and became a New York times bestseller. I worked with launching these crazy events that would last one month long. And uh, they were always looking for opportunities to support me in my career growth as well. And what they needed at the time was somebody to interview people with more business-related topics. And it just became clear because I was always taking initiatives and getting myself in front of cameras, getting myself in, on top of stages. There's a whole premise around how I ended up sharing this message around selling with love was actually because there was a public speaking training and it just came to me like, I wish I could say like, oh yeah, I, I, I was doing some research and then this became, it, it came like a download. And I know that sounds cliche or woo woo, but then what happened is when I did this public speaking training, uh, it just came to me as an idea. If we're saying that, oh, Jason loves selling and selling, selling with love. Oh, this must be interesting. So I just do a little five minute presentation for this training that was happening. And people are like, wow, this is really good. So I kept refining it, refining it to the point that there was this big stage where they were talking about, um, it was called A-Fest and it was like world-class speakers were happening there, right? And I went to the founder and I'm like, hey, I was the audio, the AV guy at the back of the room as a volunteer at the time. Oh, really? And I went went to the founder and I'm like, hey, you should put me on stage. I'm going to do the best talk. And he's like... (laughs) You're crazy. <laughs> You're this 20-year-old kid that works for me doing AV. There's no way I'm putting you on stage. I'm like, I swear I'll be awesome. But he says no. And then a speaker cancels. And then I go see him. I'm just like, hey, the universe needs this message to go out, you know? And then... And then you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mute your audio if you don't put me right? on. Right? <laughs> and no, they refused me again. They put another guy. And then that guy got stopped at the border and couldn't oh, come in. And then they were last minute and I, I just, I went to them. I, I prepared my presentation like I needed to jump on stage. I was so prepared for it. And I ended up giving the talk and that <laughs> ended up being the best 20 minute talk of the event. And so like every time I would share this message, people were really resonating with it. And, you know, from there, I, I didn't think I was going to write a book, to be honest. Although yeah. it was funny, I, I had done goal setting exercises maybe years before. I had said that I'd write a book one day. I didn't know it would be this. But it was actually through a chance that I I was doing this talk. I was being known. I was trying to build myself as a selling with love. But it was it was just a side thing. It wasn't a primary. But I knew I wanted to build a brand and find a way to really help people. And it was through a chance meeting with a great friend who said, Jason, if you want to put your 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 flag down and your you know mark your territory of what you stand for the one thing is write a book like yeah. everything else does not give you the same like you could write a blog post and create a blog you could host a podcast you could do a ton of different things but writing a book is hard I think of John yeah. F. Kennedy, right? Just like, we choose to go to the moon, not because <laughs> it's easy, but because it's hard. And I'm like, like I chose to wrote a book because it took two years. And the evolved ideas that came from the process of writing a book have refined the message so much. And so all that to say is that through the process, I decided that, hey, if selling with love is my one thing, then I need to write a book. It's no non-negotiable. So I found mentors, I found training, and you know, I got myself the support I needed to make it happen. And you know, now it's home run. The book is out. Uh, now, for the podcast, that ended up being again just because I was always showing up. I started interviewing experts in business. Mind Valley uh, let me do all these interviews on my podcast. So as you mentioned, with Superhumans at Work. And then finally, when I parted ways with Mind Valley, they were generous enough to give me the assets, give me the podcast, 
And I told them that, you know, my big thing is selling with love. So then I just rebranded everything. And that's why selling with love, this is all it is, all of me. There it is. I love it. I mean, just going back to the book, I mean, I feel like the, uh, you don't hear this often enough because uh, the, 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 the point of like the magic that comes of actually writing the book, like in, everyone knows it's hard. We've, we've heard that all in, in, you know, you've got to use all these mental hacks and stuff like that and objectives to keep going and, and push through all the self, uh, self doubt. Maybe I'm just sharing my experience, but I, there was a many times, many times I'm like, who the hell am I to write about this? Like, uh, what am I doing here? But I didn't expect the massive amount of clarity in terms of like organizing the thoughts and the principles and kind of like you, I was already giving talks and stuff like that on the topic, but there's something about, you know, putting a whole book together that now your, you know, your 40 or 60 minute keynote, uh, is just blown out of the water and you've got to be so clear with all of these different principles and tight with the, with the message and like that, that has been the gift, at least at least for me. Uh, on top of obviously receiving feedback from from readers and, and seeing like the, the the transformations, which you're about to see because we're, we're recording this, uh, I think only a few days actually before or a week before launch, right? Uh, which is super exciting. So get ready for that. And and speaking of love, I hope you you take that in and give yourself some self-love because I know it's a hell of a project to, 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 to put together. And a lot of people say they want to write a book, but never do. So uh, a huge congrats first. I appreciate it. I receive that. And thank you. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. The benefit that you speak about, I think is one of the most underrated benefits of writing a book is how clear you get on your ideas. Like mm -hmm. even if the book wouldn't even come out, right? There's so much material that was generated that I've actually got a project that's laid out, stories yeah. that are created. So anytime I need to go speak on the topic now, it's so much better than anything else I'd done before. Um, it's so true. So I, ha I have my, it's hilarious. If you were to pick up my book right now, it looks like a university textbook with the amount of highlights and flags in there, but it's just been used so many times to put together like custom workshops for companies or talks and, and just keeping it fresh. It's, it's turned into a workbook for myself essentially. So hello everyone i first wanted to say thanks for being here and i hope you're enjoying the show i wanted to let you know if you're interested i just launched the better questions newsletter designed to provide you with a consistent 15-minute opportunity to pause and think because a pause leads to clarity and operating with intention where we all win and thrive the newsletter is short, simple, and practical, providing with three quality reflective prompts and mental fitness twice a month. But as always, I'll adjust the frequency based on your feedback. Never forget, at any point, you are always one question away from a completely different life or outcome. You can sign up over at BehindTheHuman.com, which will also give you a free preview of my debut book, Personal Socrates. BehindTheHuman.com. Now back to the show. Enough about my book, though. I, I mean, so I haven't had a chance to to read your book, which I actually um, don't mind because I then can take the you know the listeners' uh, angle and approach to this and ask the question like, what can we get out of this, or what can we expect when we pick up this book? Yeah, I mean, the whole book is actually divided into two major sections because the first part is actually making just a case for not hating sales, like just liking sales, yeah. right? <laughs> okay. Like, cause love is a big ask, right? I'm like, Hey, fall in love with this thing you despise. And so, you know, for most people that are picking this up, there's going to be some sort of resistance with sales, which is why yeah. selling with love is a title that I really, I, I love why it's made this way because it's a book for people that would never pick up a book on sales that want to grow a business, that want to make an impact, but when they think of sales, they don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole or it's yeah. labeled as a necessary evil for the functioning of the business. And God, that's putting your foot on the brake even before putting yourself into first gear. Yeah. And so it's, it's a shame. 
It's a shame because so many businesses that usually have values, impact, and ethics at their core are traditionally going to be the ones that will see or resist this whole sales ideas. And it, the, the source of it gets, you know, really investigated into the book. But the primary things I look at are, you know, all the ways that we've been exposed through media or unfortunate examples that stay so relevant in our minds because they're scary and they hurt and they're emotional, where you'd had a negative sales experience for yourself or someone close to you that you just don't forget. Yeah. And so, you know, we talked about James Clear before. He speaks a lot about you know, identity in atomic habits and how choosing your identity becomes a big motivator. Well, who wants to be a salesperson if the identity you see in the salespeople are scummy, manipulative used car salesmen and you don't want to be that? So you can't associate to the identity. You outright reject it. And so how do you end up being productive or excited about doing the tasks that are necessary to make sales happen? So I investigate and unpacked a whole lot of that. Okay. And the, the other side of that is just, you know, looking at childhood beliefs and the typical key memories that happen that make it so that it might not be safe to be a salesperson because it comes with the fear of rejection. And it comes from the loss of love for being too pushy or asking too much. Here's a trigger phrase I love to say on, on podcasts, which is like, if, what do you think about when I say, hey... No means no. Stop asking. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's not great. (laughs) It's not great. It's a key memory that a lot of us have. And you look at statistics from professional salespeople and the amount of times they follow up is absurdly low. We resist it so much because our kids, natural salespeople, well, they're shameless, but they're terrible. They don't care. They don't care about the parents. They just care about their needs. So they're really bad at selling. So they become really annoying. And as a child, you don't know any better. But a parent who's exhausted at some point says those words. And then you're being taught that, hey, when I ask too much, if I'm pushy, it's going to hurt. I'll be rejected. I don't want to feel this pain. So there's Mm. two. those are two major areas that I suggest for people to start investigating to be able to see that, hey, maybe I need to take away this baggage so I can move forward and actually start selling. Okay. So what are some, I mean, what are some questions then that that you suggest people sit down and reflect on or some mental fitness that you've seen helpful to, I guess, at the, I guess the, at the core of it, I like your language around just not hating sales. Like how do you start you know, in, in that process and then, and then take it to the next level. Cause then I, I've got some specific questions as well that even myself, I find always challenging that I'm sure a lot of, uh, either coaches or entrepreneurs can probably, uh, relate to, but let's start with getting started. Here, here's a, a mental fitness, um, that people could use right now. If you have that negative association with sales is, is a reframing and using identity as a motivator. So thinking about the most, like your idols, the most famous idols you have, you know, and depending on who you are, that could be different people. I'm going to list some of the ones I usually hear from talks that I do, which would be the Elon Musk's, the Oprah Winfrey, maybe Steve Jobs, maybe, um, you know, Ariana Huffington. I'm, I'm just naming a few yeah. here, maybe Brené Brown. So uh, I'm just riffing on a few names here, but I would encourage anybody as a mental fitness exercise to just take a moment and think about that famous person, right? And start realizing that, is that person a salesperson? And you'll quickly realize that anybody of influence is quite yeah. the salesperson too. And Probably. so- You need to start looking at those people as your representation of what it means to do sales so that you don't think that when you're selling, you're being a used car salesman, maybe you're channeling your inner Tony Robbins, or maybe you're channeling your inner Elon Musk or Oprah Winfrey. So whatever it is, that famous person is for them to get to where they are. Sales was an important part of the journey. And so I think when you start taking on these different identities to shape your style of selling, because for example, you look at Elon Musk, he's 
awkward as hell. He's yeah. stuttery and weird, but he's an yeah. effective salesperson. And so you can have your own style. You don't need to be this slick talking gift of the gab type of uh, salesperson that the media often portrays as, you know, cheap suit, slick back hair. That's not your typical salesperson. It can be, there's a lot of bad salespeople because it's an unregulated industry, but the really <laughs> good ones are not like the ones that you think you see on the media, their listeners, you know, every sales book talks about how do you listen? How do you care? How do you identify props? Those are all great values you would see in coaching are also in sales. And so, yeah. uh, and the bigger, you know, the bigger kind of reveal of the whole thing is just to acknowledge that guess what? We're all salespeople all the time. Any mm -hmm. exchange of ideas, any opinion expressed, everything is a sale. And so, with that, I'm hoping that some people can have at least this transition from boxing this shadow of sales in a corner that you never want to get to, to acknowledging that, hey, I'm a salesperson already. And some of the yeah. people I look up to are also salespeople. So how can I be more like that? I like that perspective shift. And, and I like the exercise because, A, I think we could use it for, for a couple different scenarios. But I mean, the question that also comes to mind, it's like, well, what would what would Oprah do in this scenario? And often just stepping into another person's perspective is, is all we need to, you know, unlock, okay, well, because now you've disassociated to your point from, it's not me, it's, you know, I'm taking on someone else's uh, successful uh, approach or whatever, and I'm thinking a bit differently, right? Um, and then, and then <clears throat> this is where, where I love how the, the combination of, of just being mentally fit helps. It's, it's you know, to your point, you need to be able to listen. Like we've all, when someone is present and listening and we're in conversation, uh, to me, the, the best salespeople, you don't even know you've, you've actually bought something. It's just, well, yeah, obviously let's do this together. But it's because they're present, they're listening. In order to be present and, and ask the right questions and pick up on the nuances, we need a mind that's clear, right? And come into that, that, that whole cycle with, all right, forget, forget my agenda on all of this. You know, let's just talk about what we're here to talk about. And it reminds me of a, uh, an interview uh, from, that I did with Cal Fussman. And I remember asking him, like, how do you ask the best quality questions? Like, they just seem to just flow out in conversation. And, and he just said, I go in to the interview, which you can do the same thing for any type of conversation. He says, I go in without the questions, and without the pen and piece of paper, I've already done the prep. I've already listed out every question I want to ask Muhammad Ali or Robert De Niro as he's interviewed all of these people. But then that allow he said, then that allows my mind to surface the best question at the best time because I'm, I'm listening and they're there and I'm trusting my mind will do the work. So I feel like that's, uh, I can't wait to read the book because I, I imagine there's, there's stuff like that. You've already shared a bit of it. Um, and just knowing you personally and, and some of your background, it's, it's probably just a gold mine of little practices and, and tricks and tips and whatnot to, um, just completely change, you know, your, your, your whole viewpoint on this, this field. Because as you've been talking, the, uh, it's, it's crazy how ingrained this is. All I keep thinking about is being in the car dealership with my dad and, He's, he's spent whatever it is, an hour probably going back and forth, negotiating on price. And then you get to that final step, the manager, right? The leasing manager or the finance manager. And next thing you know, there's about 15,000 other packages that you're, that you're, you're, you're being sold, right? And you're like, are you kidding me right now? I just want the winter floor mats. Like, can you throw those in? And it's a terrible experience, right? But that's all, it's so funny how that stuff is ingrained in our, in our minds. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. A strong emotional experience gets anchored pretty permanently. And yeah, you know, the concept of getting a car, it's a big purchase. And especially us, you know, in Canada, I know that getting a car is very much associated with freedom, right? Yes. Because then it's yes. like, you get freedom. So imagine that experience. As soon as there are hiccups, you're going to remember every thing because yeah. that was things that was holding you back from freedom. So yeah, it becomes a powerful anchor. <laughs> totally, totally. Are there any, um, any examples you can share from the book of, 
just great experiences that you've um, that you've experienced yourself or that you've 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 come across in your research and, and through all your interviews? I have a very fun experience that I share in the book, um, and it's about being in Miami and I walk into an Apple store and I, the new iPhone, uh, 11 came out. I think it was the 11 and I walked into the store and then there's this guy who just came up to me and he's just like, how you doing, man? What brings you into the store? Just so casual. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm excited about the new iPhone. And he's like, yeah, it's super dope. And you know, if you want, do you want to check it out? What do you, what have you, what do you know so far? What are you looking for? Do you have an idea? I'm just like, I'm not sure. I'm thinking about this and that. He's like, they're both good, but like, are you planning on doing videos? And then he's just like asking me questions, asking me questions. He's super fun to deal with. And then I'm excited. And he's like, you're going to need to buy this. And he's like, what's that old phone? Let me see how much I can get you for a trade in. He's just like accommodating, flowing. <laughs> I'm leaving there. And like, and then we had to wait for them to go pick up the phone because that received not long ago. So they had to get inventory. So we're just chatting. By the end of it, he were, I'm taking, I'm talking to him about how I ended up buying these vegan tacos in, in Wynwood. Um, and he's like, wow, I've been looking for some tasty stuff. So I give him some contacts. I'm like, you need to message me when you try these tacos. They're so good. And then I ended up like, you know, throwing what? It was like 1500 bucks uh, yeah. for the iPhone. Just like and, that. And I'm just like, I'm so happy buying this. And he's so excited about selling it to me. And then we're like friends and like, he's going to go eat tacos. And he texted me when he had to eat tacos later. And he's like, this was a great recommendation. And I'm like, I love the phone. And it was such an enjoyable experience. Yet we don't typically remember joyful sales experiences. We won't yeah. label them as a sales experience. But this is an example of something that just like, when it works, it's effortless, right? Yeah. And then- yeah we sometimes forget how many things are purchases in our lives. Like take a moment. If you're listening to this podcast, like look at what's around you and things that you own. All of those were the result of a sale, whether it was a salesperson that delivered it and sold it to you, whether you bought it online, the whole experience was designed to sell you. How mm -hmm. pleasant was it? How negative was it? Were you on Amazon? Was it a one click? Like that's why they're winning the game. They've made the sale so easy and pleasant. And so yeah. I think this is really the direction I want to shift so many people to keep in mind is if you can make it so fun and pleasant for people to work with you, then yeah, you're going to be effective. And what's more, what is not as pleasant as doing it with an energy of love through the whole process will make you feel love, make the buyer feel love. And just like my buddy in talking about tacos, like it becomes contagious. And if you can vibrate at that energy, it's a beautiful thing. Totally, totally. It makes me think, or it makes me want to go through the practice of just looking around in, in, in the room I'm in and, and, and almost a asking the questions like, what, what are the items that I have a positive association with in, in, in buying? I mean, I'm looking at, you talked about Tony Robbins. I, I just picked up his latest book, Life Force, and I'm, I'm loving it so far. I'm just trying to think of, oh, well, I, and I bought it quickly, like right away. But what, like, why? Like, why, why was the experience good? And why did I buy it so fast? And, and taking a look at all the other products, I guess, that are, are positive experiences could be a great way to just, another great mental fitness practice to just reshift that, that perspective that we come almost by default into, into sales, right? Then we can apply that. Yeah. Well, I would say probably there's an element of feeling understood is usually a big core piece of someone that's going to be effective at selling to you. Sure. Um, and that comes in very subtle ways. Like for example, um, you and I are podcasters and so we both have fancy microphones and I bet you had an excellent experience trying to research and find the perfect microphone for you. Now you yeah. didn't have maybe a direct salesperson, but you were finding people that were advocates and they were comparing them and you were shopping and the whole experience was emotional. And then you bought, like we forget how fun it is to buy stuff. We're capitalists, yes, we <laughs> right? Like we love to buy stuff. And I think we label sales as the, oh, the stuff that was not fun to buy. You put it in that categories of, yeah, I was sold to. Mm -hmm. But you were sold to in all the good positive experiences. But again, you've kind of 
ignore the fact that there was a beautiful sales process that happened that led you to that purchase. And yeah. it's, it, it happens in the background. So I love the idea of becoming more conscious of all the things around you and being like, wow, look at the mental process I had for buying this, that, this. How did they understand me? What language did they use? What what was I really looking for? Was it just the cheapest price? Is there a reason I paid a premium? And you can start investigating this and then realize that, hey, there's a lot of our purchase decisions we make which are not going to be rational. They're going to be emotional. Mm-hmm. And nothing makes you want to buy more than actually communicating with somebody, a company, maybe it's through a video, that makes you feel like they understand you more than you understand your problems yourself. And then you just naturally want to give them money and say, they solved this problem for me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, why, why don't we speak about something that's very fresh in your mind? And I love it because you're going to have, I'm assuming you're going to have to use your own process and your own uh, mentality around selling with love to sell the book with love, <laughs> essentially, right? So how how did you approach the book and and the launch of the book because you know there's just there's so much when it comes to getting a book out there you obviously had some great experience working with vision and seeing um you know what worked and what didn't work or what you thought may have worked and just didn't produce results so i mean share share your your process or whatever you're comfortable obviously uh disclosing but i'm, I'm sure whether it's someone who wants to launch a book or relaunch a book or any product, there's value in in this process that you're about to share. I think it's uh, Joe Vitale who has a quote that says, you can't outgive the universe. So I just want to make a full disclaimer that there's nothing that's off the table for me to share. Because to me, the more people that I can impact by just sharing this message, and maybe you're somebody listening to this that runs an ethical business, and this is going to be the shift that you needed to sell more and make a difference, that to me is more important than anything. So that's the reason why I put the book out. And this is actually the first love in selling. So I speak about five loves of selling. And the first one is love the impact. And so what happened is for me to decide I want to write this book, I had to get clear on what's the impact that I want this to make, like for the buyer specifically. What's the impact I want to see? And so I got clear on understanding that a small ethical business might actually be going towards bankruptcy because they're not making sales. They can't pay payroll because they haven't unlocked the formula on how to consistently scale their sales profitably to be able to make more impact to the people or the companies they sell to, which the product that they provide tremendous value with is not getting in the hands of people who need it the most. So they're struggling And I got clear on the fact that they're going to go out of business if they don't solve this issue they have with sales, which is the impact that I want to make for the buyer. And I also got clear on the impact I want to make for the world, which uh, I went through an experience of a very terrible sales process myself. Like in my early 20s, I bought into a seminar for, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to learn how to make money transacting real estate. And the experience ended up making me go through a list of properties. This was after the 2008 downturn. And somebody that was one of the mentors, his cousin came along who had sold his trucking company and was looking to invest in real estate. He was going to fund everything we bought. And so we're going around putting offers on a bunch of properties. They put us in a studio to record testimonials. We're like, this is amazing. They brought their cousin. They funded a bunch of deals. This is the greatest seminar And then the cousin disappeared. They ran those infomercials across Canada and I was the face of it. And everything we were being taught was wrong. And like, I was like, I'll use a very formal term, but like, I felt like this, like douchey sales and marketing people get away with being able to do things where they don't take responsibility for the sales they make. And so for me, the impact I want to do with this book is to make sure that there's no marketplace for these people because the right companies doing the right things know how to get attention. They already have the trust. So now they're going to stand out and be successful rather than giving a spice in the marketplace for these abusive ones to exist. So I got clear on those two whys, you know, Mm -hmm. whole Simon Sinek start with why for me, it's love the impact. And then I even think about the impact for myself, right? Like I got clear on, okay, why do I want to write this book? I was like, okay, well, I want to get my brand out. I want to make some money. I want to be able to, you know, be an established authority. This is like a powerful business card. So I got all the selfish reasons and they're fine. These are great things. And this is what I encourage a lot of people to do is like, okay, 
You've taken the time to know the impact you want to do for the buyer. You know the impact, the residual ripple effects it's going to have on the world. Why aren't you getting abundance from that too? And that's okay. We're not getting yeah. into this to be a martyr, right? So yeah. that was the first step in, in writing the book was like getting clear on that impact. So then I was like, okay, well, this book needs to happen or I'm going to be letting my people down. Mm -hmm. And oh, I love uh, that. Right. So from that, um, I go deeper into the five. So it's five loves and selling and I can go deeper if you like, but it, I'll, I'll give a list so people can have a mental kind of snapshot sure. of it, which is love. The impact is the first one. And I just described it. Then you have love the client or love the buyer. All right. And as I mentioned, the best way to show love is to show that you understand. And then okay. the third love is love the product. And here's what I tell people. Don't fake it. Make it. Make your product amazing and you will not hesitate to sell it. You know, a lot of people are afraid of sales, think sales is the worst thing. And they're like, well, I guess I'm going to go out there. What's the worst that could happen? They'll say no. I say, that's not the worst that could happen. The worst that could happen is they'll say yes, but you're hiding behind your fear of sales so that you don't need to live in the reality that your product might not be at the level that it needs to be to truly serve. Oh, that is a good, good point. It's so true. That one stings, but it's yeah. true. Um, so love the product, make it awesome. And then from there, if you've done these first three, Mark, this is where it gets fun because you've done more than 90% of people in terms of getting that clarity of knowing that, okay, this needs to sell because it's a great product for the right people that makes a positive impact. So then you get to four where you start to love the process of selling. Now you can go out there and figure out how do I get traffic? How do I convert these people? Should I be writing a book? Should I launch a podcast? Should I be a social media influencer? Should I be partnering with these brands? Should I have a direct sales team? Should I be running webinars? Should I be running advertising? All these questions become so fun to contemplate because you're basically just looking at what are the best methods not to manipulate people, but to have empathy for people empathy sure. because you need to speak the language that is necessary for them to understand the value you want to bring to them yeah well and, you, and you're clear the impact is so important it's just it's all the clarity it, it just i can feel it because you're it's like you're building this ball of energy that eventually when you get into the tactics of it it's like well, yeah hell yeah i mean this is like i'm doing this for the right reason yeah and to your point for the people that aren't they're not going through this process and the market are going to, the market will reject them. And there's, I think there's some comfort in knowing that, right. Or in just going in and, and, but you have to believe in which, what, what you're selling. Yeah. And, and you have to believe in yourself. And that's the last one. The last love is love yourself. It's the, 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 <laughs> yes. whole, the whole book is a Trojan horse to make you realize <laughs> that the real root of most of these issues is the self-love enoughness. And that, comes with having brain routines and mental exercise and mental fitness routines. All of that yeah. is so necessary in sales. But if there's, if there's poison in the water, you need to get that out first. And yeah. I think that's when you have these, either these blocks around sales that come from like psychological, like either trauma healing. And that's a whole, like, I'm not going to unpack the whole like psychology of, you know, healing that past. Yeah. But, but what I will say is there are some genuine reasons why some people can hesitate to sell. If you're selling a terrible product for a really high price, you should feel shame and guilt. That's a <laughs> healthy indicator to fix what you're doing. And so you want to make sure that you're clear on that impact and all those first three loves that I spoke about, because when you get that really tight, you can go forward with confidence that you are doing your best and you're putting your best foot forward. And if you're coming with that intention, people are forgiving, understanding, and supportive because they know you're coming from integrity. Yeah. I like that last reflection of just, I, I, because we get caught up in the numbers often too, right? And you start, you look at, I think of whether it's coaching or, or programs or courses and things like that. And it's like, uh, I think a lot of people start with the number first, like it's going to be at this price. But 
I, I guess the question that comes to mind for me, the, the, the reflective question is like, wh- like, what number do I feel nervous at? You know, and if you're, if you're trying to sell something and you're feeling, wow, that number is high, like there's something there. Like you, you're, there's something that's, uh, there's a disconnect between your perceived value. Maybe it's something to do with your, uh, a lack of self-love, um, which could, could tie into it, but there could also be a belief that, you know what, the value of what you're providing is not at that level yet. And I think that's okay too. Then chalk it down to a place where you feel comfortable and you can always go up, you know? Yeah. It's interesting because that uh, just before getting on this podcast, I'm actually recording a product right now, which is called Prospecting with Love. How to identify okay. great buyers and how to be able to reach out to them. And, you know, I talk about like, who do you serve? And then one of the questions I just answered and created videos for is why do you serve them? And one of the most important questions is like, why would they pick you? Why are you the best one to serve them? And rate yourself from one to 10, like of anybody they could pick, what what are you? Are you a 10 out of 10 pick if they choose you to solve their problem? Or what mm. is that? And don't pick seven. And so yeah. once you get that self-assessment and you then you start thinking, okay, what could you do to bring that number up? And this is where... I feel a lot of a lot of gurus and the whole movement around entrepreneurs has kind of taken away any of the value that you absolutely get from employment, okay? Mm. And I say this because there's some people that are like going to be in their early 20s and then they're saying, okay, I'm just going to go into that. Or people that might be in their 30s, 40s and just getting into a new career and being like, okay, I'm going to sell this as an entrepreneur, but I have no experience. And I think it's very underrated for people to go into an industry as an employee to learn the industry, to practice your craft, learn in an accelerated fashion with the right tools, mentors, guides, ecosystem that is conducive to an accelerated rate of learning. So when I hear people saying like, well, I don't have any experience, I'm like, well, where could you be an intern to get a taste of what this industry is like? Because right now, you not only have no idea how to deliver the product because you have no experience, but you don't even know if the market that you've chosen is a market you can serve. So you're coming blind on blind. And Mm -hmm. so when I do this exercise, I say, I'm just saying, don't close off that door. But where can you find experience? Where can you work as an employee? Where can you work maybe as a referral person for another established coach so you can shadow them or any industry? There's so many opportunities for you to learn without taking all the risk and going at it so slow. Yeah, there's there's always options. You just need to slow down and and map them out or take or spend some time asking some asking some good questions. Wow, I mean we could go on for hours, obviously. Like I, I just want, and I'm saying this as someone that, uh, like I said, I don't have an advanced copy of the book. I'm going to buy the book right now and I can't wait. And it's, 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 I feel like your process, uh, and everything that you mentioned, like I can, I, I feel it. It's, and it's, it's not that you're trying to sell me a book on this, obviously, but that's what's happening. Or am I? <laughs> or am I? Yeah. yeah. Well done. Well, well done. Actually, Mark, this is what I find funny is there's sometimes I explain this concept and the most argumentative people are the ones that really reject sales. And they'll come to me and they'll be like, you know what? I never sell. All I do is I tell them what I have and the people just say, yeah, I want it. And I'm like, yeah, that's your way of selling. And yeah. so <laughs> always be selling, but it's, it's like, you think it's, people think, oh, to sell, I need to put on this hat of a scummy, manipulative, fast talking person. And it couldn't be further than the truth. Um, yeah. I think we're trying to find people that are going to listen to us, understand us. And if you can sell from a place of love, ah, it's so powerful and it's so fun. And this is what baffles me is for people that have struggles in sales is when they learn that you can sell from love, it becomes a joyful, impactful, integral, aligned way of doing business. And I think that's what a lot of people are thinking. Is that actually within my grasp? And the answer is yes. Absolutely. It's a win-win. It's beautiful. Well, what's, if is there... 
Is there a point or like a core reflection or anything you'd like to leave the the listeners or a question or prompt or anything to just send us off with? And now's the time to to do it. All right. I'll, I'll tell you what the way I define sales in the book. And it's okay. as this, and I'm hoping this is something that really stays in the memory for people that are listening. So listen up. This is the one line. <laughs> Selling is nothing more than an energy exchange between conscious beings. And when you know what you offer is so much more valuable than what you ask in return, love is the emotion that is felt on both the buyer and the seller side. And so you start to rise the tide for everyone and you make the world a little better every single time you get to sell from love. Boom. My heart feels fill or feels full from that one. Love it. Love it. Well, Jason, I mean, thank you so much for, for coming on and thank you for your, your friendship over the years. Um, I wish you nothing but a beautiful and exciting journey. Enjoy it. It's fast, as you know, and like it, launching anything, uh, things seem to go quickly and whatnot, but uh, I just please encourage you to take some time to soak up these, these memories because you only get to launch a book, the first book, once. So you might as well, we might as well enjoy the damn journey, right? So enjoy it. Uh, and I hope that I wish you nothing but a ton of success. Where can people find the book, more about your work and all things selling with love? I mean, sellingwithlove.com is mine. So you can go there, you can find the book, you can find the podcast. Um, but I'm going to do, I'm going to do you one good, Mark. Uh, if you go to jasonmarkcampbell.com, forward slash behind the human. Uh, I'm going to throw in a meditation for people. Uh, you can download it. It's a meditation on connecting with your buyer persona. And so when you do okay. that, you can just sit, it's eight minutes and then you can at least feel that connection to who you're selling to. And then you'll feel excited about reaching out to people, making that sales, writing those emails. It's a really powerful thing. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. We'll have that linked up in the show notes. Awesome. You have yourself a fantastic day and wishing you nothing but uh, a great experience. Thank you so much, Mark, for having me. And thanks everyone for listening. 